0: The only way you get 20% off is to go to com slash ETM and enter code ETM at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash ETM. Go to com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off
1: there was no reason for me to make a million dollars a year like that was just a number that i thought was a good number to make so i one i quickly burnt out because i was working too many hours i didn't have any time to take care of myself and two there was no reason like there was no driving force to make that other than i felt like well that's a number that you make if you're in business
0: millennial money with shauna compton games. it will expand your brain Okay, Let's speak friend to friend here. If you open Instagram or your Facebook app or whatever your favorite social channel is, there's this unrealistic force that just hits you. You can call it FOMO or whatever you like, but that feeling that you need to make millions of dollars in your business and your life and work harder and better than everyone else, or you're somehow not successful is ridiculous. It's unrealistic because you're going to burn out fast. And I speak from personal experience and I've witnessed countless others feel the same burn. You just, you can't win. Well, I've been a huge fan of our podcast guest, Paul Jarvis, for a while now. So I had a bit of a fangirl moment during our episode, but Paul, he left the corporate world when he realized that working in this high pressure, high profile business, was just not his idea of success. Instead This is awesome. He now works for himself out of his home on this lush island off the Canadian coast where he just no longer has to contend with that crazy corporate environment that demands everything out of you more productivity, longer hours, more growth, you know, all of that heavy stuff. Well, in Paul's new book, Company of One Why Staying Small is the Next Big Thing for Business. Paul just gives us all permission to accept that bigger is not always better, and I think all of us can just collectively let out a sigh, and you are so going to lean into Paul's message today. Paul, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me on as a guest. I appreciate it.
0: You know, we all suffer from this inevitable FOMO factor in one way or another, whether we're trying to get our business up and running or we're comparing ourselves to somebody else who appears to be more successful, more profitable online. So why is staying small, in your words, the next big thing for your business?
1: Yeah, so I think there's actually a lot of reasons, and I'm glad you brought up this whole comparison trap, because <laughs> it's real, like it, it really happens, like especially with with social media, like we see what other entrepreneurs are doing, or like the cars they drive, or the jets they might have, I don't know, there's some big uh, entrepreneurs on Instagram, for sure. But I just think that regardless of what we see, like in the news or in social media, I think if we work for ourselves, we Get to define what success looks like for our own business, and it could be different for everybody. Your version of success could be different than my version of success. So I think it should be our goal, uh, if we work for ourselves, to kind of think about, like, okay, what do I really need, and does it need to be does it need to be as as big as as the next person's?
0: For sure, and I think you could say that even if somebody was working in a career, kind of the same message really resonates. But, you know, I I certainly get sucked down the trap of comparing myself to other podcasters on social media and think, oh, my gosh, you know, there's this perfect picture of them. And they're stating, you know, all their amazing listeners and what they're doing. And it's, (laughs) it's hard sometimes to not pull yourself out of that. But how can you because it feels so anti what we've been grown up to think. How can you have some of those mind shifts where you can really focus on, okay, this is the audience I'm going after for my business, and I don't need to serve everybody.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's an important point. I mean, especially with my business, like I know that it's not for everybody. I also think it's very hard. Like how do you market to every single person? Like even (laughs) if you're Oprah or, or or Tim Cook, like I still don't think that that's possible. I think if you kind of narrow in on like this is the type of people I want to reach, how can I speak directly to them? How can I speak to them, not just as like consumers of this one thing that I'm selling, but just as people? Because I think that people buy, and it's funny. I did a survey, I think it was two years ago, and I asked my audience, why do you <laughs> why do you buy things from me? Which is like a weird question, but I was. I was genuinely curious because like all of the products I have other people sell similar products like I write business books other people write business books I make courses other people make courses and the oh, I was actually so surprised that the overwhelming answer that I got from people was that I buy they buy the things from me because it's me selling them like me personally Paul Jarvis it's uh, they buy because of who I am and how I write and how I speak and how I relate to them And I just think that that's so important, especially in the context of thinking about like, well, bigger doesn't necessarily mean better. My own mailing list, it's a size, so it's big enough, and enough is probably one of my favorite words, so we can even talk about that a bit more, but it's big enough that it supports my income because I run a business, I need to make money, it needs to be profitable. But it's also small enough where I can send an email to my list, which I do every Sunday, and i'll get i don't know 2 or 300 replies typically and i can i can read all those I can answer questions. I can be in direct communication with my audience. If it grew a ton bigger, or if I spent a ton of time or money or effort growing it bigger, then I wouldn't be able to have those conversations with my audience, which one, I really like, but two, also leads me to make better products for them that they are then more interested in buying That they do buy, and then they share with others, saying like, hey, you should buy this because I bought this because I was talking to them. So I got kind of the inside scoop on what they needed. So I think there's kind of this middle ground uh in business where growth is good to a certain point but then past that it it may not even make much sense other than because we want to compete with 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 everybody else.
0: And there's so many gems in what you just said I want to unpack a few of them <laughs> but uh, it, it comes to mind one thing that I talk a lot about on the podcast is figuring out how much you need to live the life you want to live. What is the version of your life? And money is just this tool that comes around then to support that vision of your life. And certainly as a business owner, whatever stage you are, it, the same concept rings true. So how did you decide this is the size of the business? This is the the level of profitability that I want to focus on and not get blinded by bigger numbers.
1: Yeah. So there's, there's a few things. It's funny. I was reading, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading, there's a Gallup world poll that surveyed something like 2 million people and found that people are actually happier as they make more money, but only up to a certain huh. point. And I think it right. was the optimal emotional being for related to salary was something like $70,000. And then they also found that a slightly higher number, I think it was like $95,000, was ideal for taking into account long-term goals like savings and retirement and even helping assuage things like peer comparisons and that. But then past that number, past making like between, I guess, seventy dollars and $95,000, people weren't more happy. People were <laughs> actually unhappy wow. in some cases. And I think it just really speaks to one, it speaks to everything that I talk about in the book, but also just kind of what you were asking uh, in the question, well, how did I come to that? And I mean, for me, for my business, I know that I actually really like doing the work. So I do, I I make products and I write and I like doing that. So if I grew my business and even when I did web design years ago, people would always say, well, look, Paul, your business is doing well. You have clients, you're booked for months and months in advance. Why don't you hire some people? Why don't you make this into an agency? And I always thought that that seems like one track for for business or for business success. But for me. I don't actually like managing people. I'm actually not very good. (laughs) I'm (laughs) really not that good at managing people. So I was like, why do I want to promote myself out of the job I like? And the corporate world works kind of the same, where if you get a job and you do well in the job and you get promoted, you're eventually going to get promoted into managing others, which is great for some people, but not for all people. And I mean, I really like the work I do, so I never want to grow a business to be bigger than just myself and a few people that I don't even have to manage, where I would have to basically, like my day would be filled with with tasks and, and job responsibilities I don't want. And then the other side of that for uh, figuring out what's enough in my business is my business is myself and a couple freelancers. So if I can cover the salary that I need to feel comfortable to, to live off of, to put money into savings and all of that, then in order to make more money, I would, one, need to spend more time working, and I like the rest of my life, so I want to work hard, and I love working, but I'd want to not work for some of the day as well. I mean, that to me feels like a success. And the other thing is, if I was responsible for a bunch of other people's salaries, for me personally, that weight of responsibility isn't isn't a responsibility I want to have in my business. So if I work instead of working towards more and more and more and more. If instead, I work towards, okay, what do I need? What is enough for me? What does enough look like? How will I know when I get to enough? Then that makes it a lot more more sustainable because I'm not going to burn out and more interesting and more enjoyable.
0: That that definitely makes you think. It makes you ponder your own life mm-hmm. and, and where you fit in that diagram of of money, you know, how much money I need to make to quote unquote, be happy. But what has your 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 career journey looked like? Are there any lessons, big lessons that you've learned along the way that you have fused into your new book company of one?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, is things I've learned a lot of it is, um, like stories and interesting research as well. But I think like when I when I look back to uh, when I was younger, when I started my business, I felt like, OK, if I make a million dollars a year, I'm going to be a success. So if I'm not working, I'm not making and this was the logic that I had. If I'm not working, I'm not making money. Therefore, I should be working all the time. That way I can make all the money. That way I can make a million dollars a year, which seems like like it seems almost valid when you think about the logic like that <laughs> but the first thing was I there was no reason for me to make a million dollars a year like that was just a number that I thought was a good number to make there was no like there was no reason or no purpose for that so I one I quickly burnt out because I was working too many hours I didn't have any time to take care of myself and two there was no reason like there was no driving force to make that other than I felt like well that's a number that you make if you're in business <laughs> So sounds logical. It sounds logical. But like it didn't like I didn't need that. Like I needed substantially less than that to to be profitable. And I think in business, like we do have to work towards profit. And definitely there's no part in the book that says you should not make enough money to survive or not focus on profit. Because I think profit is really important. I think profit helps businesses stay sustainable, profitable, profitable businesses don't go out of business and <laughs> they tend to stick around they go out of business if they try to grow too fast or if they're spending beyond what they're actually making or if they can't make good enough margins so I think all of that is really important to think about and I mean I did that in the beginning I did that and I realized like why am I doing this and I didn't have a good reason like there's honestly no good reason for working towards that so I quickly abandoned that goal. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. And this may seem like a really obvious question, but I think it's one that a lot of listeners might have. What actually makes a business profitable?
1: Yeah. So I think there's a couple things. I I think the first is we all get kind of enamored by the the sexy numbers, like the gross um, profits that other people have, especially if we're talking about The comparison trap that you brought up in the beginning like when people share um, the amount of money they make or if they write blog posts or do income reports or that kind of thing they're typically talking about the gross number which is sort of important but it's not even close to being the most important thing I think in order to be profitable we need to have profit and revenue is different than profit so I could say I make a million dollars a year but if I spend nine hundred thousand dollars I'm really only getting to keep a 100,000 of that. But if I make, say, $300,000 and I only spent 10, I get to keep 290, which is a lot more than 100. And so I think for a business to be profitable, one, yeah, we need to generate the revenue. We need to generate that gross number. But we also need to think about, well, how can we spend as little as possible? Or how can we spend just enough to make that money? And I mean, for me... It's more interesting for me to make the same amount but generate more profit by spending less, as well because I think if you're running a small business, the less you have for expenses, the faster you're going to be profitable each month. So if I only need, say, $2,000 to become profitable, as soon as I make $2,001 that month, I've made a dollar profit. If I need $10,000 every month to be profitable, then I've got to work five times as hard just to break even every month. And that's also that can also be kind of stressful. And I'm pretty stress averse in, in my business.
0: I, and I love that when you talk about revenue versus profitable. And and I talk about this a lot, well, personal finance, because this, the same concept applies. You can make a lot of money. And I tell listeners all the time, I've worked with people who make you know, ten million dollars a year, and they're essentially living paycheck to paycheck because their expenses are so high that at the end, there's nothing left. They're scrambling to pay for all of these things that they have. So that's such a powerful lesson, both in your business and in your in your personal finances. Yeah,
1: I mean, even I, I think there's this kind of trend. You can probably speak to this better than me, but there seems to be a trend that people, as they make more, they start to spend more in yes. their life, and you. <laughs> Note: You do not have to do that. Like as my income's increased, as most people's do, as as you go through the course of your career, you don't have to keep spending more every month. Like you can still live with what you were what you were spending previously, if that's if you're comfortable, if that's working for you, if you're you got all your bases covered, if you're putting money in the savings. Like you don't need to keep spending more just because you're making more. Like there's no rule. Nobody made that rule.
0: <laughs> Somehow we invented we that rule, oddly <laughs> enough, and then we bought into it. We were like, "Yeah, I, I I need to follow this rule." Yeah,
1: it looks good on Instagram, I guess. I don't know.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. And another thing you were talking about a little bit earlier uh, reminded me of we just did this exercise for a podcast, um, this business coach that I've been working with, where I listed out all of the things that that make me unique, that I bring to the audience, why they tune in, why they listen to me, and it. it Reminded me of a concept you talk about in your book. How important is it for everyone to infuse their own personality, their, their quirks into their products and their, their company image, the company brand? And how would you go about even dissecting those things? Since it's sometimes so hard to, to find what those things are for us.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess so. Uh, one, I'm lucky because I'm a really quirky dude. <laughs> like, I just, I'm just, that's just my default state is just weird. But I think everybody has some aspect of their personality that makes them them. And I think that so one, it can be scary to put that into your business because if your business doesn't work out or if it doesn't work out even to the level that you want it to, it feels like your business hasn't failed, but you failed but I still think that, so one, your business isn't you, even if it's your name on the business. And two, that I think it's really important to do that because people, like, that's what makes people connect, especially in this day and age where big corporations are are becoming less and less uh, useful or even less and less, we have less love for them. I think that people kind of want to get back to this place where they're buying from other human beings. And I mean, even in my business, that survey that I talked about in the beginning where people buy things because it's they're because it's me, not because it's some faceless company. And I think that's what makes it that's what makes you stand out in any market is, is kind of who you are. And I think in dissecting that and thinking about that, it's not it's not just enough to be weird for the sake of being weird, like dyeing your hair pink and having being covered with tattoos, which I have done. And I do have can't get rid of tattoos. But I think it's important to think about like, okay, how can you relate the quirks that you have or the differences in who you are to your audience? Why would that be valuable or interesting to them? So it's not enough to just be weird for the sake of being weird. It's more useful if there's a reason for that. And even like, so the best example of that is I've had pet rats forever. And a lot of people don't like rats.
0: Seriously? Totally. That's pretty. That is pretty interesting. Pretty weird. Yeah.
1: And so, so the 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 most popular thing that I've ever written in my entire life was an article called "Find Your Rat People," and this is a perfect example of what we're talking about here. So, the article to to sum it up quickly, the article was basically: most people don't like rats. Most vets won't treat rats. It's really hard to get any love if you have pet rats. But there are some vets that treat pet rats and treat pet rats well. And there's just a very small amount of people on the internet who also have pet rats, who love rats, who have built communities around how awesome rats are to have as pets. And the way that like it's not enough just to share that story with my audience because some people will be like, okay, rats are weird, but what are you talking about, Paul? But I-, I related that to exactly what you were just asking me about kind of not being not having to relate to everybody or not trying to market to everybody. So I'm like, you need to, as a business owner, you need to find your rat people. It's not everybody in the world because most people aren't going to like or even know or understand what you do, but you have to find that tiny group of people that also like pet rats, it figuratively that understand what you do, that like what you do, that kind of resonate with the way that you show up in the world. And that's where, that's where the power of having a personality in your brand comes into play when you can just relate to those people because they're going to feel like, Well, they're possibly weird in that specific way, too, and they feel like they aren't understood. But then if somebody comes out and is like, well, I'm that way as well, or I think this way as well, or I also like pet rats, then it becomes like an instant connection and a bond.
0: The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and T-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. So I'm sure you're really curious about Paul's pet rats, and we'll get into the second half of this interview after a quick ask Shauna, and this one comes from Katie, and Katie says, Hi, Shauna. I've been listening to your podcast pretty regularly for the last year and love it. It's helped me become much more financially savvy. I used to be afraid to make financial decisions and defer to my husband because I really didn't understand how to. You've helped me prioritize what to work on, and now I feel I have an equal seat at the table, so to speak. I'm self-employed and opened a solo 401k plan at the end of last year with Vanguard because of the low fees and good reputation. I also moved some money out of Fidelity to Vanguard because of lower fees. I have money with another investment company and just looked at the fees, which are again higher. I'm saving money for retirement in a targeted fund. However, I'm wondering if it's important to diversify across investment companies' targeted funds. Basically, whether it's better consolidate to Vanguard, which so far I'm happy with, or pay the higher fees to have it with another company and spread out my money. My husband also has some accounts with Vanguard. I appreciate your advice and I'm looking forward to your 2019 podcast. Thank you so much for helping me understand why this is all so important. Such awesome success. Congrats to you. Well, this is amazing, Katie, and I'm so happy that you sent in this question. But first, let's just rewind. Can I just give you a high five for telling me that you feel like you have an equal seat at the table? Because that is certainly what I want you to feel. I want you to feel like you belong. You're equal partner. I don't care whether you make more money or your husband makes more money, or your partner makes more money. It's not about who makes more money. It's about two people feeling like they have an equal place, they have an equal voice, and you both have separate goals. But how can you work together and form that perfect partnership? So. I just really want to applaud you for that because if nothing else, that is a huge victory that you should be so happy and proud of. And I feel so fortunate that I've been able to help you in some way along in that journey. So thank you so much for sharing that. So this is a tough question and I get asked this question in varying degrees all the time, but this is a completely personal decision to make. So there isn't a right or wrong approach to this, but Saving more for retirement is always a good thing, no matter how you slice it. So I don't think you can go wrong with either way of choosing to invest, but I think you're looking at things from a really smart perspective. You're looking at fees and you're analyzing this. You're not just putting your money in and then, you know, crossing your fingers and praying that one day when you need to use that money, the money's going to be there for you. I think that's what's a little bit off kilter with the set it and forget it is we will forget it <laughs> you'll put money in there from your paycheck or if you're self-employed you'll you'll put some money in but then you tend to not look at these things and fees have such a big impact on your wealth growing in fact fees can provide such a big drag for you that you could be missing out on returns that you should be getting so in my opinion i think about the power of compounding, which is really just money stacking on top of money. Think of it again like that snowball rolling down the hill. The more snow it picks up, the bigger and bigger it gets. So I'm a fan of consolidating all your retirement accounts together so that they can just grow from this larger base number. So your snowball can get bigger and bigger, but You might be a fan of multiple accounts. Maybe you're more risky in one than you are in another, and that's totally fine. Again, there's nothing wrong with either approach. This is where you really have to think about your goals and what you're comfortable with. But I tend to think when you start getting into three, four, five, six different investing accounts it tends to get a bit dicey because you're spreading things out so much that you can't use that power of compounding to really help you push forward with building the the wealth. So coming back to the compounding, I like this approach. I think it's easy to manage consolidating all of your accounts together. You're going to have lower fees, which is, again, a part of the power of the investment growth. It is like the super secret weapon that you've got working for you. And the compounding, the stacking the money together, it's just, again, growing from that higher number. But if you feel compelled to have two different accounts, a a Vanguard and a Fidelity, or however you slice that up, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If each count is helping you propel in, in... a goal in in maybe a different direction. Again, maybe one's riskier than the other. Maybe you're invested in, in certain funds in one account that you're not in the other, as long as there's an approach to those accounts. But if the accounts are going in the same direction, if they're both in basically the same types of accounts, I don't believe it's actually serving you well. So again, great question, Katie. Hopefully I've helped you out there a little bit. And again, thank you so much for sharing this. This is such a powerful message, I think, to anybody listening that you can get an equal seat at the table. You can feel like you have an equal vote in things financially in your family or in your partnership unit, and that's really important, the mindset behind this is so critically important to your success. So I'm super curious. So what makes <laughs> what makes rats great pets? I mean, are they are they lovable? Are they
1: For sure. They are super social. They are they bond with humans because they're pack animals. So if you're in their lives, they'll be like, "Okay, you're you're part of the pack." So like the the one that I have now doesn't do this and they all have very different personalities, but the other ones that I have had used to sit on my lap while I worked. No way. And they were just like, yeah, they would just sleep on my I'll send you pictures. I like, have to see this. this. <laughs> so they're they're super they're they're super smart as well. You can teach them tricks. If you YouTube pet rat tricks, you will be amazed they're just very like they're very friendly and social and and lovable that they just make re- yeah they just make really great pets
0: i think you're you're blowing my mind today <laughs> i'm going to look at rats differently now i'm going to i'm going to do my best <laughs> i'd love to talk a little bit about uh your new book Company of One what was the the genesis of this book is this you had a spark of an idea, or is this something you've been collecting along the way and felt like this was a really good time to talk about this idea that that small can still be worthy and profitable?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of always been, like, I've run my business for 20 years. So it's, uh, even in the beginning, like, I can't even take credit for it. I was just unconsciously working in that way of, and the point of the book is not that growth is bad, but that growth should be questioned. Whether or not it makes sense to hire more people to generate more gross revenue to, to reach more people, just to question it and see what works for you. And so in my own life, that's always been like, I've always run a business where it's been me, me and freelancers. The, where it kind of came from is, is actually surfing. I was out surfing, uh, with my buddy who's a freelance accountant. This is probably like eight years ago. And we were waiting in the lineup, waiting to, to catch a wave. And he was, like, uh, and it was like September, or October at the time. And he was like, buddy, I've made about enough money um, for the rest of the year. So I'm going to stop working and like go surfing down the coast and go rock climbing. Then he takes off on a wave. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you just blew my mind. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> and then, so we came back, like he, pad- he caught the wave, paddled back. We started to chat about it. He's like, well, I know what enough is for me. I know what enough, I know what makes sense for my business to make. and." And I know that I don't want to grow it because it's not going to make me any happier or even more profitable. So he's like, I just like, I'm good. And I was like, that's kind of how I've been doing things. And then I started to think about it. And then again, I felt like I was the only person in the world who felt this way, just like having pet rats. I felt like I was the only person who understood them. But then I was like, why don't I just write about this? So I wrote an article for my mailing list about why I don't want to grow my business. And I was just inundated with replies of people saying like, I felt like I was the only one. I felt like I was the only one. And then I was like, there's this, it's the worst pun ever, but there's this growing movement of people who don't want to grow their business once it's profitable. And I was like, this is, there's, there's a lot of people and they're not getting press in the news. Like business publications aren't writing about small businesses that want to stay small. And then as I started to research the book, I was like, there's actually a ton of studies. There's there's like research and data that backs us up. There's a lot of businesses that run that do really really well that are too busy making profit to be talk, to talk about um, to talk about themselves in the media. And so that's kind of where the book came from. Is just this like growing movement of people who aren't getting the uh, the the coverage that I think they should be, who are who are doing really well in business.
0: That is super interesting. I I love that. And I love that you've collected it over the course of the years. I I think sometimes those are the best ideas when you look back and you realize, oh, this is what I've been doing my whole career. I just didn't, you know, put the package together until that that sort of light bulb moment.
1: Yeah, it's been percolating for so long. And then the last two years has just been like full on writing and researching. But yeah, it's been forever that I've been thinking about this.
0: So we're, we're sitting in the new year and a lot of listeners use the new year as a time to put down their goals, to, to think big. And certainly a lot of entrepreneurs, it's a time where you're really thinking about how do I how do I up-level my business? How do I become more profitable? Or how do I reach the audience I want to reach to? You? What sort of tips would you give listeners? What should they be focused on and maybe not focused on to help them propel their business.
1: Yeah, I mean, so the the first thing is that there's definitely ways to scale without growth. And I mean, we live, in an, we, we live in a magical age of the internet where like the amount of time it takes me to write an article and send it to one person is the exact same amount of time it takes me to write an article and send to 30,000 people through like mailing list software or using eco, like there's ways to scale a business. And I mean, like throughout even throughout the book, there's people making seven, eight, nine figures even That are running things with very, very small teams just through like automation and software. So I think it's really important to. to Think about how can I solve the business problems that I have without simply adding more? Because I think more is sometimes the easiest answer, but not the smartest answer. The other thing that I would think about uh, in since it's a new year for, for your business is to just start asking yourself questions. And that's really what the book is, is trying to trying to help people ask better questions about their business to get to the success that they want to see. So things like, how much is enough in my business? How will I know when I've reached enough? And then what will change in my business once I have reached enough? And then in terms of growth, like, does this growth just serve my ego? Or because sometimes that's the case, we can all fall into that trap. Or does this growth, like, actually help or serve my existing customers? Or help or serve the life that I want to build? And so I think in kind of framing like growth around those questions, I think we can come to to better answers about what makes sense and maybe what doesn't make sense. Maybe it's just us chasing what we think our business should look like or what we think business looks like for other people.
0: Yeah, those, those are amazing tips. Well, Paul, other than learning that rats make good pets, which is just <laughs> blowing my mind today, can you give our listeners, what's maybe one takeaway of everything we've talked about today? What would be the, the biggest takeaway that they should focus on in this new year with their business?
1: Sure. I think it's that every business is a lifestyle business in so much as every business gives you the opportunity to, to build the life that you want. So I think if we start to, if we kind of flip it where we don't build a business and then end up with the life that we're given based on that business. And instead we think about like, what do, how do we want to spend our day? Like, what would success look like for us personally? And then build a business that fosters that, and that moves towards that. Because if we do that, I think we can make better decisions in our business. Like, maybe this opportunity doesn't get me to the place that I want. Maybe this opportunity is just an opportunity that I think I should take. And then it becomes easier to say no to things, because every opportunity has a cost or, or an obligation attached to it. So I think if we start to frame things around like, well, how do I... Like, I want my business to foster the life that I want to have, so how can I make better decisions in my business to get to that life that I really want to have?
0: It's so powerful. I mean, if if you could just sit and sort of meditate on that message, I think (laughs) all of us would have such aha moments. Well, tell the listeners, Paul, when the book Company of One comes out and where they can grab a copy and where they can connect with you.
1: Sure. So the book is out uh, Jan 15, 2019. Uh, It's available in audio, digital, and physical formats on Amazon and pretty much anywhere you get books. It should be in your local... Like if you go to your local bookstore and look for it, it should hopefully be there. And if not... It's easy to find on the internet. The website is ofone.co and the news, my newsletter that I was talking about is called The Sunday Dispatches and that is at pjrvs.com.
0: Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. It's absolutely free and you'll make sure you never miss an episode of Millennial Money. You can also listen to all our episodes on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Pandora.